Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. This morning we're going to get into to God's Word. John chapter 13, if you have your Bibles, is, uh, is where we're going to be. Jesus, as we have been in our, our chronological reading plan, he's, uh, he's getting ready to conclude his earthly ministry. In fact, in John chapter 13, his public ministry has concluded. Uh, this is, is the last night Jesus finds himself uh, in the upper room with his disciples, eating a meal, and in just a, a few short hours, Jesus will be arrested, he will be uh, standing trial, uh, tried and wrongfully convicted and, and put to death. Uh, tomorrow in our reading plan is Easter Sunday, and so uh, we've read yesterday, we read today, how that Jesus uh, gave his life on that cross, that he's, he's been crucified, but then tomorrow it's okay. Even if it doesn't snow, Jesus will rise again. So spoiler alert for those of you that haven't read forward in your Bible or were unaware, Jesus doesn't stay dead. Uh, he gets up, the, the stone is rolled away, and tomorrow we'll celebrate Easter in our reading plan. Uh, and so we've been reading through chronologically in John chapter 13, Jesus is with his disciples there in the upper room, they're preparing the, the meal, and, uh, and that's where we find ourselves. And so verse one is where we're going to begin reading. Here's what the Bible says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come. Somebody say his hour had come. Now, as we've read, we've seen time and time again, Jesus say, and the, the, the gospel writers say that his time had not come yet. We read in early in, in the book of John, Jesus is at a wedding. And as he's at this wedding, the, 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 the wine runs out and, uh, and Mary, Jesus's mom, comes to him and says, Jesus, there's no more wine. And he says, that's not my problem. I'm not putting on this show. This is not my wedding. That's, that has nothing to do with me. And she says, no, you need to do something. And his response to her was, my time has not yet come. We've seen how that the Pharisees on multiple occasions have tried to arrest Jesus and place hands on Jesus. But whether through an act of supernatural disappearance or just finding his way through the crowd, they weren't able to. And the writers tell us because his time had not come. So we've seen time and time again that Jesus's time had not yet come. And now in John chapter 13, it lets us know that his hour had indeed finally come. And it had come to leave the world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew that he had all authority. Jesus knew he had all power. And the question is, what are you going to do, Jesus, with all that power? With all that authority, what will you do? Verse 4 tells us, so he got up from the table took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, <laughs> Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what 
I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus is like, calm down. This isn't a sponge bath. (laughs) Jesus replies, a person who's been bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you, disciples, are clean, but not all of you. And in that moment, I think Jesus kind of side-eyed Judas. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Lord, I thank you for your word today. God, I pray that over the next few moments, you would give me the ability to communicate clearly that which you've already placed inside my heart. Lord, for everyone within the sound of my voice, those that are here live, those that are watching online, regardless of where we find ourselves today, Lord, our desire is to grow. Our desire is to produce fruit. And in a couple of short chapters in John chapter 15, Jesus, you told the disciples that unless we, unless we remain in you, then we won't be fruitful. But that if we would abide in you and you in us, we would produce fruit and fruit that lasts, fruit that remains, but that we would also be pruned. So Lord, today, if you want to prune anything in our lives, we give you permission, we give you access, we give you control to do whatever it is that you want to do, because we don't want to be that branch that doesn't produce fruit, that is cut off and thrown into the fire. But God, we want to be fruitful for you. We don't want to be fruitful for ourselves, but we want to be fruitful for your kingdom. So Lord, do what, whatever it is you want to do in our hearts and in our lives today. We give you control this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Like I said, Jesus has concluded his, his public ministry. He's there with the disciples in the upper room. For us, it's been a short month and a half that we've been reading this chronologically through, and we've seen the miracles that Jesus has done. But for the disciples, it's been three years. They've walked with Jesus. They've talked with Jesus. They've sat at Jesus' feet. They've, They've observed miracles as Jesus has caused blind eyes to be opened, as he's caused lame individuals to, to, to walk again, we've seen them participate in miracles, asking Jesus to feed them. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? What do you have? We don't have anything. We just have a couple loaves and a couple fish. And Jesus says, perfect. We will use what you have. Sometimes, sometimes there are those supernatural miracles that God does that only God can do. And sometimes God asks us what is in our hands as he did to Moses in front of the burning bush. Moses, what's in your hand? It's just a staff. It's not just a staff. Throw it on the ground. It's a snake. Pick it back up again. I'm sorry, what? Picks it back up, turns back into a staff. Put your hand in your coat. Take it out. There are things in our lives that God has given us that God wants to, to use. So they've walked with Jesus, they've been a part of this ministry, and now they, they, they have, have come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And as they, they've come into the city, Jesus has sent them ahead to prepare a place for them to, to have dinner together. And they, they walk in and they have dinner, and Jesus sits down, they recline at the table, and the story that we just read, the text we read, says that at, at one point Jesus gets up from the table and he 
pours some water into a bowl and begins to wash their feet. Now we can understand in part, because how many of us would, would relish the chance to wash somebody else's feet? None of us. Nobody, nobody wants to wash somebody else's feet. Like feet are feet. Like I'm not about to give anyone a pedicure. Like that is not in my job description. That is not something that I would like to do. And so we, we read this and it's like, oh, gross. Jesus washed their feet. But, but we can understand a little bit, but we, we really won't understand the totality of what the scripture is telling us unless we understand culturally the significance of what is taking place. See, in, in that day, the, the roads obviously were not paved. They were dirt roads. And if you've ever walked on dirt roads, you know that at the end of your journey, it feels like you have dust and dirt everywhere. It feels like you've been eating dirt for the last two miles. And they, they, they would walk these paved roads and at dinner time, they would enter the, the house that they were going to have dinner and whoever the, the, the homeowner, whoever the host was, there would be a basin, there would be water and the homeowner would provide one of their servants to wash the feet of their guests. So when you went over, if, somebody, if I were to invite you to dinner and you showed up at my house in that day for dinner, if I was at a place financially to, to have servants or to have slaves in the home, which many, many did and many were, then, then I would have my servant wash your feet as you entered my home to remove the dust that, that you picked up on your journey to my house. Now, if I, if I didn't have a servant, I wouldn't wash your feet. You would wash each other's feet. So somebody in your group would determine like who's going to be the one and you just, you know, draw straws and I guess whoever had the short straw would, would, would get down and wash everybody else's feet. Now, here's what's interesting. When they entered the house, they expected and anticipated there to be a bowl and water and for somebody to wash feet. Yet we find them at the table still with dirty feet. And it's not like, it's not like, they could hide it because the tables were not tables how we understand them, where you can sit at a high table and your feet are well hidden from, from view. It was a lower table and they didn't have chairs and couches. They really had cushions. So they were essentially sitting on the floor. And then you, as you sit on the floor, pulled up to the dinner table, your feet are in plain view of everybody. So everybody can see how nasty your feet are. Talk about like losing your appetite. Yeah. I wouldn't want to eat with your nasty feet right next to the bread rolls. Like, stop it. <laughs> and so they walk in and, and nobody has taken it upon themselves to wash feet, to wash each other's feet, to wash their teacher's feet, to wash their master's feet. And so Jesus gets up from the table, takes it upon himself, and begins to, to wash their feet, humbles himself in the, the place of a servant and washes their feet. The Bible says that, that he didn't come as a king, but he came as a servant. He didn't come to be served, but he came to what? To serve. And, and I think John chapter 13 is, is 
maybe one of the greatest pictures of his servant heart. And as we look at the text today, there's a few things that I want to I wanna pull from the text and a couple things that I want us to understand today, and then I'm going to leave you with a question to ponder this week. But the first thing that I want us to examine in this text, the first principle that I want to, to pull out is, is this, that, that when you don't understand, go, go, to the, go to the point and we'll come back to this verse. When you don't understand what God is doing, you need to learn to trust his character. When you don't understand what God is doing, you need to learn to trust his character. If we go back to verse six, go ahead and put that verse up there. We, we see that as Jesus begins to wash their feet, he comes to Peter and what does Peter say, say to him? Lord, you're, you're not going to wash my feet, essentially is what he's saying. Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus, this is, this is so far beneath you. You shouldn't be doing this. Lord, don't wash my feet. And Jesus replies to him, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but one day you will. Has God ever done something in your life that you didn't understand? Has God ever, ever brought you someplace that you didn't understand what God was doing? Has God ever asked you of something that you didn't understand at the time? It's, it's difficult to go through those seasons, right? And, and here's Peter and Jesus is washing feet and, and, and whoever he starts with, Peter, I'm sure, and the other disciples are like, what is Jesus doing? Like, what is, what is going on? Why didn't he call for a servant to come and wash our feet? We, why, why didn't we take it upon ourselves to wash each other's feet? Jesus should not be doing this. And yet there he is. And he comes to Peter and Peter protests, God, you're not going to do this. And Jesus is, Jesus is like, you don't understand, but someday you will. And Peter's like, okay, then, well, if you're going to wash my feet, then wash my head as well. Wash my hands too. Give me a full bath then, Jesus. And Jesus is like, Peter, you're missing it. And he gives them, he gives them a, a, a spiritual lesson with a, a physical picture because he says not everybody, not everybody needs a bath. If, if you took a bath today, which Peter, I trust that you did, then at the end of the day, you don't need a full bath. You just need your feet to be washed. He who's been cleansed doesn't need to be cleansed again. Now, spiritually, when you come into relationship with Jesus, when you surrender your life to him and accept him as your Lord and Savior, you've been washed and you've been cleansed. And so when we come into church and there's, there's a response, who, who needs to give their heart to the Lord and to be washed? We don't need to be rewashed head to toe. We just need our feet washed. You've already justified me. But Holy Spirit, would you cleanse me from what I've picked up walking through life? And so he says, you don't need to be washed head to toe. You just need your, your feet washed. And Peter's like, well, why? How many parents? How many parents of toddlers? How many guys know what a, a three-year-old's favorite question is? Why? Well, why? Well, can you do this? Why? You need to brush your teeth. Why? You need to clean your room. Why? You need to share your toys. Why? We're going to go to the store. Why? Because we need food. Why? Because if we don't have food, we're not going to eat. Why? Because somebody's not just going to come and drop it off. Why? Because we're not rich like that. Why? Because I chose this career field. I'm sorry. Like... <laughs> Why, 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 why? And listen, if you, have a, if you have a toddler and you are waiting for them to grow out of that, that season, I just want to let you know, as, as a father of teenagers, it doesn't change. They just learn to ask it in different ways. 
Our second son, Isaiah, like I've, I've learned that I have to communicate not just the what, but I have to communicate the why. Not just here's what I want you to do, but here's why I want you to do it. Isaiah, can you take the trash out? Yep. Takes it out, opens the door to the garage, drops it right there. What did you do? I took the trash out of the house. Okay. Well, can you also take it and put it in the can outside of the garage around the corner? Yeah, but you didn't ask me to do that. Now he's learning to drive. And, and if you've ever taught somebody how to drive, like, Lord, give me grace. But the other day we were driving and I'm driving and I, he's sitting in the front, Angel's sitting in the back and, and he's sitting in the front because I want him to, to pay attention and to focus on what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. But I want him to know why I'm doing it. So I pulled up at a red light and I told him like, okay, here's what's gonna happen, son. We're going to that baker's, but I'm in this turning lane. So when I get over here, I'm gonna be on the inside lane, which means that I know that I have to get over. Now I can speed ahead from this light and, and try and beat the car next to me or I can, I can be patient knowing that this car is going to go and, and somebody back there is probably going to create some space. And so I can, I can approach it one of two ways. And as we did, it, it worked out exactly like I told him. I said, you have to anticipate these things. He's like, wow, dad, like, that's really good. I never, I never thought of it like that. Like, okay. And I understand like, I'm not just teaching you what to do, but I want to teach you why. And I want to teach you how to do it. And that's what Jesus is doing in this moment. He's not, just, he's not just saying, do this, but he's also giving them the, the why. Here's, here's, here's why. And in those times where we don't understand the why, like Jesus, why is this happening to me? Jesus, why am I going through this season? Jesus, why are my kids frustrating me? Why won't they just get it? Why is my husband? Why is my wife? Why does my boss? Why at school? Why all of these things that we ask? Why, 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 why? Listen, there are times where God will come and he will give you the why. And then there are some times where God just says, like a parent does at times, because. Because, and here's the question, Peter, like, do you trust me? Jesus, why are you washing my feet? Peter, you don't understand it right now, but you will. There are things that I've gone through in life where I have cried out to God, why, God, why, God, why, God, what, God, huh? God, stop it. And I didn't understand it at the time. And yet you get some perspective and you get some insight and you, you begin to see what God was doing in you through that season and you look back and it's like, man, I didn't understand it then, but I definitely understand it now. Some of you, rather than responding to your heavenly father, like a spiritual three-year-old and saying, why? I'm not going to go until I know why. I'm not going to say yes until I know why. I'm not going to move from this place until you tell me why. We need to instead learn to trust his character and know that if, if God is leading us in that direction, if Jesus is calling us to that, then we can trust his character because his plans for us are better than our plans for ourselves. Amen. So if you don't understand it, learn to trust his character. The second thing that I want to I point out in this scripture is this, that, that Jesus gave an example not just to watch but to follow. He didn't just say, watch what I'm doing. But he said, do what I'm doing. 
right? Look at, the, look at the text. Go ahead and put that scripture up there. He said, I've given you an example to follow, so do as I have done to you. That word do insinuates action. Now, you can't do nothing. Doing requires action. It requires something of you. As we follow Jesus, as we follow his example, we have to do as he did. It's not passive. Following Jesus is not just about observing or consuming, but it's about participating. It's about contributing. And I think today we've gotten it so backwards because we come into church and we observe. We come into church and we watch. We come into church and we consume. My question is not, are you, not, not what are you watching God do, but what are you doing as you follow his example? Are you doing anything? Jesus says, do as I have done. Now, here's what's interesting about what Jesus did is he gets down and he begins to wash their feet. Now, my question is, who is in the room with him? Jesus comes to Peter. Did Jesus wash Peter's feet? Yeah. Peter, who in just a couple of hours is going to deny Jesus three times when questioned by a young girl. No, I didn't know Jesus. Who are you talking about? Jesus of where? Where's Nazareth even at? I've never even heard. Nope, don't know him. Three times he denies Jesus, and yet Jesus washes his feet. Thomas, was Thomas in the room? Did Thomas get his feet washed by Jesus? Thomas, who doubted, even after Jesus rose from the dead, said, no, this can't be, this can't be possible. What's going on? I don't, I don't understand it. No. Thomas, who doubted, Jesus got down and, and washed his feet. Judas, was Judas in the room? He was, because he hadn't left yet. Did Jesus wash Judas's feet? Judas, who for 30 pieces of silver was going to sell out his master, his teacher, his, his Lord, for 30 pieces of silver, and yet Jesus humbles himself and washes his feet. Question is, who washed Jesus's feet? Who washed Jesus's feet? In this event, nobody washed Jesus's feet. Because this wasn't about Jesus getting his feet washed. It wasn't about him getting his feet washed. It was about him washing their feet. Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others to give his life as a ransom for many. So my question is this, whose feet are you washing? Are you washing people's feet that don't deserve it? Or are you only washing people's feet who are going to wash your feet back? Jesus didn't wash their feet and say, okay, now you wash mine. Jesus said, even if you, even if you don't wash my feet in return, I'm going to wash your feet. Even if you deny me in return, I'm still going to wash your feet. Even if you doubt me, I'm still going to wash your feet. Even if you sell me out, I'm still going to wash your feet. And today, we'll, we're, we're, we might wash the feet of somebody who can pay us back. We might wash the feet of somebody who we feel like deserves it. We might wash the feet of somebody who's washed our feet in the past. 
But very rarely will we humble ourselves and do something for somebody just because and expecting nothing in return. So many times, even if we wash them to make us, ourselves feel good about it, like, look at what I did. Look at how many feet I've washed. You're getting something in return, and in return, you are boosting yourself up. Your, your, your pride is receiving something in return. When's the last time you washed somebody's feet with, with no motive other than simply to serve and do as Jesus did? Now, here's... Here's what's interesting. Jesus may not have got his feet washed in this moment. But this week in our reading, we read Matthew chapter 25. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is is talking. He says, listen, on that day, when I come back and, and I'll be sitting on the throne and the sheep and the goats will be there, I will separate the sheep from the goats. He'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, enter into the kingdom. Come and experience what I've, what I've prepared for you because, he said, When I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And and you'll say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or naked or in prison or sick or all of these other things? When did we do this to you? And his response is, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Jesus may not have got his feet washed in that upper room that evening, but can I tell you that when you, when you, when you serve others, when you, when you see somebody who's hungry and you provide, when you see somebody who's thirsty and you give a drink, not just a physical drink, but with the, the, the living water that they truly need, when you serve the least of these, you're not just doing it to them and you're not just doing it unto God, but you are literally doing it to him. Because that's what he said. When you've done it to them, you've done it to me. You have the ability every day of your life to wash Jesus' feet. You have the ability in every interaction that you have to wash Jesus' feet. You have the opportunity to humble yourself and wash the feet of your Lord and Savior when you do it to the least of these? Are we washing his feet or are we so consumed with getting our own feet washed? When you humbly serve a brother or sister, you are washing his feet. When you give and expect nothing in return, when you cook a meal, when you shovel a sidewalk, for all of you that are praying for snow this week, I hope you get it. And when you get it, I hope you take your shovel and you go do your neighbor's yard too. Why? Because one, you asked for it. And number two, because God's just giving you opportunity to wash his feet. He's giving you an opportunity to serve when you offer a ride, when you mop a floor, when you pay a compliment, when you change a diaper, when you mentor a young person, when you invite someone for dinner, when you surrender the spotlight, when you deflect the credit, when you shoulder the blame, when you share the burden. You're not only blessing that person, but you are blessing the heart of your Lord and Savior. Jesus said, do as I have done, not just come and watch. We've got a lot of Christians who enjoy coming and watching. Let's go, let's go to service so we can, we can watch and we can be fed. Yes, you should be fed. But at this point, you should be feeding yourselves too. 
And as you're fed, the question is, what are you doing with those spiritual calories? Are you exercising them? Are you, are you using that to, to provide spiritual energy so that you can go out there and you can serve? You know what happens physically when all you do is eat calories, eat calories, eat calories, and never burn any calories? Fat. Out of shape. We've got so many out of shape Christians. Because for years we've consumed and we've consumed and we've consumed and we've never used those spiritual calories to do anything. So I, well, I've been saved for 40, 50 years. Congratulations, that's awesome, man. I, I love that and we need the wisdom that you have. But the question is, what are you doing? Who are you serving? Whose feet are you washing? Who are you witnessing to? Who are, who are you on your knees every day praying and believing God for? Who are you looking for opportunities to to share your faith? Who are you inviting over for dinner? Who are you investing in? What are you doing with what God has given you? And if it's nothing, then all you're doing is becoming a fat Christian. I will. (laughs) But it's time for us to, to do something with it. Stop watching and do. I think one of the reasons why it's, it's so hard for us to serve is because we don't know who we are. And yet when I read this scripture, it says that Jesus, Jesus knew. Jesus knew that all authority had been given to him. Jesus knew that he had been sent by the Father. Jesus knew that he was returning to the Father. So Jesus was totally fine washing feet. Jesus was comfortable washing their feet. And the reason that Jesus was comfortable washing their feet is because he was secure in his identity. He knew who he was. And when it comes to to serving others and humbling ourselves, because we don't know who we are, it just breeds insecurity. Well, if I I lower myself, are they going to take advantage? If If I do this, if I elevate people rather than elevate myself. And it comes from this place of of not knowing who we are. Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew the authority that had been given to him. He knew the place that he was heading back to. He didn't hesitate to serving his disciples because he was confident, he was comfortable, and he was secure in his identity. Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? Not just what the world says about you, not just what your parents have said about you, not just what your friends say about you, not just what you tell yourself in the mirror. But do you know what God says about you? When God says that you are his masterpiece, when God says that you are, you are, you are wonderfully and beautifully made, then I can get down on my hands and feet and I can, I can get messy and I can get dirty serving other people because it doesn't matter what anybody else says about me because when, when God looks at me, he calls me his favorite. He calls me his masterpiece. And I'm not trying to earn anything from anybody because I've already got the approval of my heavenly father. He's chosen me and I've been adopted into his family. So I'm not working for the applause of man and I'm not looking for the approval of man because I'm confident and secure in who I am in him. So you want me to sweep floors? I'll sweep floors. You want me to change a diaper? I'll change the diaper. You want me to get down on my hands and knees and scrub something? I'll scrub something. I don't care. Nothing is beneath me yeah, yeah. So good. because I know who I am. 
And yet, when given opportunity to serve, how often is that our attitude? Or do we say, no, nah, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm waiting for something better suited for me. I'm, I'm waiting for something that, that isn't so messy. I don't, I don't really do diapers. I don't, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know that I'd feel safe there. How many times do we, do we shirk the opportunity and responsibility to serve rather than totally confident and secure in who we are in Christ? Saying, you know what, if it needs to be done, I can do it. I would love to do it. I will enjoy doing it. I won't hesitate to do it. Jesus didn't hesitate. But we have so many insecure Christians. Insecurity is what is keeping you from walking in your true identity. Insecurity is, is what's keeping you from serving like Christ served. Insecurity is what is keeping you from, from serving and, and giving you opportunities to share your faith. You want your friends, you want your coworkers, you want your family to get saved, then you need to become secure in who you are so that given opportunities to serve, you won't hesitate. And through your service, they will see Christ in you. He was secure in who he was. We get to the end of the story, and Jesus has, has washed their feet, and he says, you know, do you, do you understand what I've done for you? Now do as I've done to you. I've given you an example to follow, so go and do likewise. Now, now Jesus wasn't instituting some, some ceremony that every time you guys eat, you should wash each other's feet. I think, I think there was the practical side of it, but then there was also the spiritual side of it. Like, don't hesitate to wash feet when given the opportunity, but it goes so much further than just a foot washing before dinner. In your daily life, make sure that you are prepared to do this. And then the, the next thing that we see is he gets to the end, and he says, you'll be blessed for doing so, because God blesses humble service. You need to understand that. God blesses humble service. Now, does this mean that, that when you serve, you're going to pull out your wallet like the, the friends that we had over for dinner, and there's magically going to be another $100 bill in there. That's not what this means. In fact, when they told us that story, I pulled out my wallet and was like, God, where's my $100 bill? So many times when we talk about blessings or we, we read about blessings or we think about blessing, that's the kind of blessing that we anticipate or expect. When we talk about the abundant life at Dream City Church, it's not about an abundance of material. It's not about an abundance of wealth. But we tell you all the time, it's about an abundance of joy yeah. and an abundance of peace and an abundance of, of, of hope. Like you want, if you want to be blessed with joy in your life, then humble yourself and serve others. Yeah. Seriously. Like you want the biggest boost of joy? Well, I've been struggling with depression. I've been struggling... When's the last time you served somebody? When's the last time you got outside of yourself and did something for somebody that can't pay you back, that can't return the favor? You want an infusion of joy into your life? God blesses you with joy when you humble yourself and you serve. God blesses you with an abundance of peace when you get down and you serve. God blesses you with what you need in that moment when you humble yourself and when you serve others. God blesses humble service. That's what he says in verse 17. He says, when you do this, 
God will bless you for doing these things. Now that I've given you the example, now that you know these things, go and do them. And as you do them, God will bless you for doing so. We want to work for the blessings and we want, we want to twist God's arm for the blessings. Listen, all you have to do is know who you are in God and, and, and humble yourself and follow his example. And what happens? He begins to bless your life with all of those things that you need. The, the Holy Spirit begins to produce all of that fruit in your life. You need more love? Serve somebody. You need more peace? Serve somebody. You need more joy? Serve somebody. You need more gentleness, faithfulness? You need patience? Serve somebody. Trust me, you serve someone. All of a sudden, there's going to be patience being produced in your life. You want some self-control? Serve somebody. Because in that, I'm humbling myself. So now it's not saying what I want to say, but I'm serving you. It's not about what I want. It's about what you need and what God has called me to do. And so, so let me serve. And as you do, that self-control begins to build in your life. And you'll, you'll look back and it's like, oh, Wow, Jesus, I didn't understand it at the time. But now that I've gotten some perspective, it makes a little bit of sense. I see how you were able to do all of that. Now here's, here's what's interesting. I told you when they walked into the upper room, the water was there, the basin was there, the towel was there. We're told that in the text. Culturally, contextually, when they walked in, the first thing that should have been done was somebody to pick up the towel, was somebody to pour the water. Yet it didn't happen. Instead, they walk in, they go to the table. I'm sure there was argument about who was going to sit closest to Jesus. I'm sure John was like, well, I'm the one that he loved, so I'm obviously going to be the one to sit here. And Peter probably pulled out a dagger and was like, over my dead body. He's like, I'll fight you and I'll beat you. And Thomas was probably like, well, I doubt it. And they were probably arguing. And, and, and you know, it was that, that race to be the first one in, right? You've ever seen, you ever seen that? You open the door and the kids are like, oh, I want to be the first one. I want to. And so there was this mad rush to the table knowing that Jesus was going to sit here. And if Jesus is sitting here, let me get a seat close to, close to Jesus. Like when you open the doors at Walmart on Black Friday, because that's right around the corner. And there's this mad rush to get there and ran right past the, the water and the towel and the basin. What's interesting is when you read other, when you read other gospel accounts, they weren't arguing about who was going to wash feet. But they were definitely arguing that night. Luke chapter 22 gives us Luke's, Luke's accounting of this evening as it was told to him. And as he, as he records this night, go and put up that verse, Luke chapter 22. As he records what that, that evening, the, the account tells us that they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Verse 26, those who are the greatest, Jesus responds. He says, those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant. And Luke's account, he tells us there was definitely an argument that night. But the argument was not about who would have the honor of washing feet. The argument was about who's going to be the greatest. 
They're arguing amongst themselves about who the greatest disciple is. And Jesus shuts all of that down and tells them whoever wants to be the greatest must be the, the servant of all. Whoever wants to be the leader has to be, you want to be, you want to be great, then lower yourself. Humble yourself. And in John's account, Jesus did just that. Taking off his robe, picking up the towel, bending down and washing their feet. Now here's the question that I want to leave you with this week. And I want you to struggle with this. I want you to spend some time praying about it. I want you to spend some time thinking about it. I want you to, to ask the Holy Spirit to, to shine a light in your life. Here's the, the question that all of us need to ask. Are we looking for a title or are we looking for a towel? In your life, what are, what are, you, what are you striving for? What are you giving your energy to? To make your name great? To ensure that people, people know your name? Or to elevate people around you? To humble yourself and serve as Christ served? This is one of the last lessons that Jesus taught his disciples. In just a few hours, he's going to stand trial. He's going to be convicted, he's going to be sentenced to death, he's going to be flogged, he's going to be whipped, he's going to be beaten, he's going to have a crown of thorns put on him, he's going to carry his cross as far as he physically can until they find somebody else to carry his cross for him. They're going to hang him on that cross until his life flows from him. And in just a few short hours, Jesus is going to say, it is finished. But before he does, before he, he gives them the mandate to go into to all the world and to make disciples, before he tells them to go and teach them everything that I've shown you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, before he does that and leaves them with this, this calling, he says, there's still something that they need to know. And in one of his last moments, he teaches them this lesson, a lesson of humility, a lesson of service, a lesson that communicates it's not, it's not about you. It's about serving those around you. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. It's not about feeding your ego and your pride, but it's about crucifying that every day. Jesus says, if I'm gonna leave here in just a little bit, they need to, to make sure to know that they can't be prideful or selfish moving forward. Because if I leave and they're so full of pride, then there's going to be arguments as they argue tonight about who's the greatest and who's going to lead and who's going to oversee. And now Judas is going to be gone. So who's going to take care of the money and watch out for the finances? And there's going to be so much infighting among them. And the sad thing is, we see that in the church today. Because of pride and ego and arrogance and selfishness, we see churches 
fighting with other churches and arguing with other churches rather than, you know what, let me wash your feet. Let me wash the feet of those who can't wash their own. Let me do something with no expectations for anything in return. Let me serve because I want to look like Jesus and Jesus was a servant. I'm supposed to be putting, putting his image on and taking on his character. And so, so let me do that. This week, ask the question, in your life, have you been more consumed with looking for a title? Or in every interaction, do you look for a towel? Are you looking to be served yourself? Or are you trying to be the servant of all? And as we do, and as God gives us opportunities, and as there are our basins and water and towels in our lives, rather than running in and looking for the seat of honor, may we instead run in and grab that towel before anybody else can. May we instead run to serve as our Savior did. Amen. Stand with me this morning. As we dismiss, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you and just pray that, that if we need a heart change, that God would do that. For some of us, we, we need to stop chasing titles and start looking for towels. But if you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you read these words and when Jesus says somebody who's been, who's been bathed doesn't need to be washed head to toe, they just need their feet washed. Some of you, maybe you've picked up life, stuff in life and today you need, you need Jesus to wash your feet. You need the Holy Spirit to cleanse you of some stuff. We're gonna pray that he does that. We're gonna confess that, repent of that. But if you're here today and you've never been bathed, You've never been washed. You've never been given the new life that Jesus paid for you to have. You've never confessed him as Lord and received him and surrendered your life to him. I wanna give you the opportunity to do that as well. The Bible says that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, God raised him from the dead, that our names would be written into the book of life, that he would wash us, he would cleanse us, that the old would be, would be gone and he would give us a new life. And today, if that's you, I wanna lead you in, in a short prayer, just a prayer of confession, a prayer of repentance, and a prayer of surrender and submission to him. And church, would you help us to pray today? Just say, Jesus, thank you so much that you gave your life that I could have new life in you. And today, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a savior. So I confess you as Lord of my life, I die to myself, pick up my cross, help me to live for you from this day forward for the rest of my life. Would you not just be the savior, but the Lord of my life as well? In Jesus' name. Lord, for those that are here today, and maybe, maybe like Peter, come in and like, God, I need you to wash, you to wash me from head to toe. Jesus, your response was somebody that's been bathed doesn't need another bath. You just need your feet washed. You just need a daily cleansing. Lord, so many of us, we go through life and we pick up things. Our attitudes, our actions, 
the meditations of our hearts, the thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would wash us, that you would cleanse us today. Holy Spirit, cleanse us. Lord, we confess and we repent. There are things that we've done that we are not proud of, habitual sin that we've been, we've been giving ourselves over to. Would you wash us and cleanse us today? Thank you for the newness of life that is found in you. Lord, as we all go from this place, help us to, be not, not, to not be those ones that are chasing titles. But Lord, help every one of us to look for a towel. Regardless of our station in life, regardless of where we find ourselves, Lord, we all have an opportunity to serve as you served. That we would look to your example and not just watch what you did, but that we would go and do likewise. Help us to put our faith into action, that we would not be those fat and out of shape Christians. But Lord, help us develop spiritual muscle that would be used for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things, helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. We hope that this message helps serve one of those three goals, and we encourage you to check out our past sermon series and online classes, no matter where you are in your walk with God.